This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Hi, Will. How you doing? Doing well. It's a Lions Test Week. The teams have been named. Anticipation is building very nicely ahead of Saturday. And we're delighted to be joined by Rory O'Connor to go over everything ahead of this weekend. Rory, how are you? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Will. Yeah, no, it's set to be a very exciting weekend. You know, the teams have been named. For people who actually missed it maybe earlier, I was quickly run through the Lions team before we go into some of the talking points. Back three of Stuart Hogg, Anthony Watson, Duan van der Merwe, Robbie Henshaw, Elliot Daly in the centres, Bigger and Price at halfback, Wynne Jones, Luke Cowan, Dickey and Tyke Furlong in the front row, Alan Wynne Jones back to captain the team, Todd Jay in the second row, Courtney Laws, Tom Curry, Jack Cohen in the back row, and then a bench of Ken Owens, Roy Sutherland, Kyle Sinker, Tyke Byrne, Hamish Watson, Connor Murray, Owen Farrell and Liam Williams. Luke, lots to sink our teeth into there. I suppose first and foremost, like Gatlin does love to spring a few surprises, and he certainly did that this time. You know, after seeing the team now that he's named, do you feel, I think I asked you something similar after South Africa again, do you feel more or less confident after seeing this team? Um, I don't know. Like, I, there's, a, there's a few pieces of the puzzle that um, I'm a bit unsure about. Um, like the Ali Price one is a... I don't know. Like, I just a few really odd things with Gatton. Like, I mean, I, I don't know why you'd name someone who's never captained before in Connor Murray. Um, is kind of a quietish guy anyway as captain. Um, hasn't played particularly bad, but based on that decision, you're kind of saying, well, okay, he should be a bit of a shoe in for the, uh, you know, for the test series. Um, and really, given the opposition that Ali Price has played against, you're kind of saying, well, like. I don't, know. I don't know what that decision is really based on. That's a really odd one for me, and that's a really like that's a pivotal one against the the Springboks, particularly with Conor Murray's uh, kicking game, um, generally being pretty outstanding. I would have thought that's a kind of a key element uh, against South Africa. Um, so that was a bit of an unusual one in a key position, uh, even though people have been talking about that, kind of rumbling away about that. Um, the Van der Merwe one is, um, I don't like that one. Uh, as a back three player, I think that's not a good one. I think they'll get found out a bit there. 
um, at some stage. And um, other than that, I thought it was actually a pretty pretty solid selection. I'm very disappointed for Tyke Byrne would be the only other one I probably mentioned, but I think um, I think Laws makes that back row look very muscly and probably matches up quite well with what South Africa do. But whether or not it plays to what you know the Lions should be should be playing to, you know, is probably I'm not sure about that one. You know, like Laws, yes, is a great tackler, but I don't really like he doesn't give you much else around the pitch. I don't think. Whereas Byrne gives you so much more. Like he actually is, he's a good tackler, obviously. Um, I think that's pretty much obvious to anyone who, who watches him play. But those turnovers are fairly valuable, and he's excellent in the line. I'm not sure there's that much that separates the two in, at line time. Maybe Laws is better there, um, but um, yeah, they're the probably the two. Sorry, leaving the leaving aside Laws, they're the two that probably stand out to me. Will is the selection at nine and the selection on the wing of Van der Merwe. Yeah, Rory, uh, we were to start with the Conor Murray decision. It had been kind of flagged, or, or at least it, it was kind of becoming a bit of a narrative that there was a good chance Gatlin might bring in Ali Price at nine and put Conor Murray on the bench. But as Luke kind of outlined there, it's been a, a fairly tumultuous you know, tour for Conor Murray, even though I suppose on paper it should have been such a great one when he was named captain. It's been up and down. He only got to come, kind of come in and captain the team against South Africa finally. And then he, he he misses out in the first test. It's been a tough couple of weeks for him. Yeah, I mean, if if Conor Murray was never made captain and Ali Price started ahead of him, I don't think he'd be up in arms about it. I don't think like you know I don't think he's had a brilliant tour. He hasn't really got much of an opportunity. It's been a strange tour anyway. Like I don't rate Ali Price as a better player than Conor Murray. I don't rate Ali Price particularly highly anyway. I don't think there's a great collection of scrum halves in this tour. I think Conor Murray like his career is obviously outstanding, but I think he's not the best version of his of himself at this point, but I think he's the best of the three that are in there. But I think by making him captain out of nowhere, to then drop him a month later is such a harsh thing to do. Like, if four years ago, Gatlin dropped Peter Armani after he, he, he didn't perform in the first test, having made him, made, making him captain, sorry, made him captain, he dropped him after the first test. And he said that Armani that went quiet, that he was surprised that he went quiet around the test week. And that's like that's what that came out in the wash afterwards, and, and like that's fair enough. He didn't live up to it. But Armani's captain every team that he's been on before in his life. If if Murray's been judged on his performance as captain because you gave him the job, have, you know, having had no experience or qualifications to do the job apart from the fact that he's probably your most experienced player, well, that's just ridiculously harsh thing to do because he should never have been captain in the first place. He should be let like he should have been allowed to be a Test nine contender in his own right without having this additional focus and burden placed on his shoulders at the start of the tour and if he didn't live up to the captaincy well like he never asked to be captain in the first place you know what i mean like so i, I think it's re- it's very harsh to, to name him captain and then to, to, to take the legs out from under him albeit he's still there in the bench and will still have a big role to play in this tour so yeah i think it's, it's it's a mad one for conor murray like he could never have seen his lions tour going this way I, I think you know he said himself that he wasn't fully confident he was going to make the, the tour in the first place so he maybe would have been happy enough to get this bench spot coming over, but having been given that kind of assurance that of of the captaincy coming out, then to have it taken away, I think that's that's kind of, it's just a, it's a strange and crazy story, and maybe it shows how panicked they were after the Alan Jones injury. But I think it's really, really harsh to elevate him and to knock him off the pedestal, but really having only given him one game to have a chance, and it was that was it was behind the beaten pack as well. Like I'd love to have seen what Ali Price would have done in that South Africa A game. I don't think it would have been pretty either. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how Ali Price goes as we get. So the other side of the Conor Murray coin is that Alan Jones, Luke, is back in the team against the odds four weeks from on from his dislocated shoulder or partially just, you know, however you want to dress it up in the medical terms. Would, would that worry you, him coming back in to start against, you know, Exabet and Mostert, considering how physical they looked in the A game? You know, would you have concerns about him being able to last, you know, the, the kind of the, the physical stakes there? I don't think so, no. I, like, um, you know, he uh, he's so experienced, you know, that I think – and he's always been really, really fit. The game, all like, none of the games are going to be played at altitude as well. We probably will speak to that, I'm sure, a little bit later. Um, all those things kind of make me very more like a, a, a pretty comfortable with the decision. Plus, I'd always start him rather than have him on the bench. He's not really a bench guy to me. Um, in that he probably, you know, if you need an impact, I don't think he's going to be an impact guy. Like Alan Wynn's always been, yes, impacts the game all the way through, and is a brilliant player. But he kind of operates in the margins a lot. You know, doesn't give away too many penalties. Uh, versus, say, like, I'd probably compare him to Toje, uh, who, you know, has massive impacts throughout the game. But does play on the edge. Alan Wynn doesn't really do that to me. He's just a brilliant player. Very smart. Um, the experience part, and given that he's a very fit guy just all the time anyway, um, it means I'm very comfortable with that decision. And I was happy to see him come back out on the tour. Um those things, I called it pretty early. It sounds like lots of people are calling it a sublux. I I don't know about you guys, but did you watch the Will Greenwoods? Uh, <laughs> very impressive Will, uh, uh, kind of medical uh, tilt to his um, uh, his summary of the Alan Jones situation or injury. Um, he was really impressive, I thought, actually. Um, but I called, it, called that earlier on because there's no way if he had a dislocation that he was going to be ever on this tour. It sounds like it was a pop-in, pop-out job. Um but yeah, look, good to see him back out. That wasn't the one I really had to, like, just to touch on the decision-making. Like, it seems to me, and this, there's a good part and a bad part to this with me in, in how I say this, but when I look at Gatlin, I just feel like he's so impressionable. He's so, he watches, I feel like he's listening to loads of people, like like any kind of murmur in the media I feel like he listens to it and actually can impact his decision. I know it sounds, I don't know it sounds, it sounds really weird, but if he gets a whiff of someone kind of with, with momentum in the media or someone losing momentum, um, I feel like it actually plays into his mind. It just it, There's too many decisions that he makes that are almost kind of... They're like U-turns on the original decision, which oftentimes seems to be based on rugby. But the rest of it all, I think he's a real impressionable guy with his, uh, with his decisions. And I feel like he's kind of been a little bit lucky with some of the Lions ones that they've kind of worked in his favour. Like, I think the, the O'Driscoll one probably stands out as everyone's saying, oh, that was a brilliant piece of decision-making. But really, it was the worst Aussie team in a very long time, and they smoked them in the second half. It had nothing to do with Johnny Davies coming in or Drico, you know, leaving. Um, and I feel like this Conor Murray one has a bit of a bit of a feel to that for, for me. Um, because I just don't trust the Ali Price in the big games. i just never seen him really grab the game by the scruff of the neck and drag a team through. Now, Conor hasn't played brilliantly the last while. Yeah, I thought he came into some form at the end of the season. But I just feel like they haven't been judged in a level playing field in terms of the opposition that they've played against. And I think I'm probably basing what I've just said on the fact that I saw, I've seen Conor Murray completely dominate games, like drag teams through difficult games, you know, played brilliant. He's a big game player. I always have felt that about Conor Murray. And I just don't get that decision. I really don't base on, on on all of the stuff. Like he obviously felt a couple, like two or three weeks ago, that he was going to be his guy. 
And I just don't see that there's, it feels like they're really decisions in the margin. And there's been a bit of murmuring here and there about Connor's form. Ali Price, had, you know, had a bit of a, you know, he looked good against some pretty shitty opposition. And I feel like it's kind of, that's played into this decision. I feel like it's a real impressionable one. And I don't get that one. That one to me is like, I feel like that's a real 50-50. It could, go, it, it could work for you if the team are on top. But if they're not on top, I just don't see that being a good decision. Uh, and I hope I'm wrong about that. But he's a weird selector. He's a really weird selector. I don't. People think he's a bit of a genius. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, I think he's pretty ruthless. But I don't know. I'm, I, I, I just feel... I, I just Maybe I just see it completely differently. And I don't know what Rory or you think about it. But I just think there's loads of really weird decisions with him. And I feel like he's kind of gotten away with it a little bit um, based on the on the Aussie tour. He gets a lot of credibility for the Aussie tour. Um, and I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I not think, sure I like it. I think he's old school in, in that he selects by feel to a degree. I don't, I don't think he's as analytical in a way as some other coaches. I don't think he allows the numbers to color his judgment that much. And I think he goes with what he, you know, goes with his gut a lot. And that, his record is incredible. I mean, it cannot be denied the things he's achieved in the game with, with like with the start of, of the Ireland kind of change from a really you know average would be country to a to a very good one. You know, that time he brought in the five, you know, that was a big selection call. Got it all going when he brought in the five new new faces. You know, with wasps, with whales, with the lions. You know, it's it's always gone right for him. So it's very difficult to argue against it. But there's definitely a sense that some of these decisions are based on his gut. Um, but he knows his rugby, like you know, and he and he he largely gets it right. The history's written by the winners, but at some stage, it's going to go against them. Yeah, Rud. Like, what what about Luke's point about kind of <laughs> maybe being influenced by some of the media murmurings? We know Eddie Jones infamously, the more the English media talk about certain players, Sam Simmons, these guys, the less inclined he appears to be to select them. Is there anything to that point? You think having kind of you know covered some of these tours and been around them? Yeah, I don't I don't know him at all. I mean, like uh, some of the other journalists would would know him a lot better because he's been on the scene for an awful long time. So you do get to know people, but you know, his time in Ireland was before my time. Um, I do get the sense that he's, a, he's very aware of what's going on in the media, but I don't think he, he lets it get to him to the same degree as, as say a Joe Smith, for example. I don't think it, it, I think it does bother him. Say the criticism in the New Zealand Herald the last time that really got to him, but the stuff about the team, I think he reads it all and he consumes it and he, he likes proving people wrong. But I don't think he's as he's as wrapped up in it in some ways. But I think I, I I'm not sure whether some of the media in England in particular, you know, are are have good links to him or whatever. But they seem to be able to sense what's coming from a little bit more. Like I mean, I think you know the sense in the English media certainly was that Murray was going before Gatland started talking about it. And Gatland is quite open in his press conferences, so he. He, like you did the lines last week, uh, Will. You know, I, I was. You think chicken and egg? Can I ask you that one? I'm not sure. Where, I, can, can I ask you that one, Rose? Is it what? Like, is it? I always feel like it's it's nearly like they nearly they. Is he feeding them that, or is that you know him actually reading that and going? I don't. Mm, I don't think he's. This is the this is the pulse there at the, the moment, and then it's almost like he looks at it. It's almost yeah. like he looks at it after it's out there. He's like, hmm, I wonder about that. Actually, I, I, I always feel I, that I, when I look at his selection. I, Seriously, yeah, like, mm. I don't think he's making decisions based on what's been written by Stephen Jones in the Sunday Times, for example. Or I, I think. I, maybe they're like-minded. I, I'm not sure, but um, Jesus, I hope. Yeah, yeah well, I, like, <laughs> I mean, Stephen Jones was, the, was kind of the first to kind of start writing Murray off, you know, like same as Paul O'Connell in '09. But you know, it's it's. I'm not sure. I don't know how it works. Maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in some in some ways. But he's definitely aware of it, and he 
I think he, he believes in stuff like momentum. I think he, he he believes in this field. He believes in what he's what like like you're completely right. I mean, Ali Price played well against the Stormers. Conor Murray played bad. He didn't even play that. He played badly for forty minutes against in a, behind a really bad pack. Bad, you know, a pack that played well badly against South Africa A, which is a much better team and a much bigger challenge. I mean, that's not comparable. Um, and yet Gatland has gone with the momentum call, and the media, as we and, and I'm part of this, you know, we can we get behind momentum sometimes. And Ali Price looked good against the Stormers, so. Then he does an interview afterwards. The media want to talk to him, and, and suddenly Ali Price has momentum behind him. And I think Gallant, I don't know if it's a media construct or whether it's just the way he feeds into these things. And we got to, you know, he's also at training every day, and he knows these players, and he sees what the mood is around the camp. And like I don't know if Conor Murray's having a bad tour over there. Like it's a difficult circumstance. Maybe Ali Price is 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 just having a great time and just doesn't care that it's a COVID bubble and it's just buzzing every day. Whereas his rivals aren't. We don't know all that stuff because it's the the least access that anyone has ever had to alliance tours so there's so much going on that we don't know about but you're right the big calls he often does go with his gut and it's momentum and it's sometimes in line with what the uk media is writing but yeah i'm not sure i don't know how symbiotic that relationship is so you know it's hard, it's hard to get a sense of it mm, yeah it's certainly interesting to see i thought even i saw you know one of his quotes in today's press conference talking about how for the guys who didn't get selected how much he stressed the changes that could be made for the second test, for the third test. So he was really trying to make kind of stress that this is a selection for the first test. We even saw in New Zealand, like Johnny Sexton coming in, Mara Toje coming in off the bench for the second test. So there could still be some a, a lot of big changes. Look, we, we touched on some of the Irish guys who didn't make the test team, but there's a couple of big guys who did get in tight. Furlong will be starting his second test series. Robbie Henshaw, after getting his fitness back, is in the team. And Jack Conan, who was a real kind of traditional bolter, I suppose, from someone who... No one really expected to get selected to, to be named in the first test. It's been some couple of months for him. Brilliant couple of months for Jack. I'm absolutely delighted for him. Um, I've always just thought really highly of him, you know, as a rugby player. Very physical, great skills, just a smart guy around the pitch. And he just, he's had one of those careers that just seems to, when, as soon as he seems to be coming to almost like a peak um, or even approaching a peak, you know, like really like a good run of form, seems to have had some kind of weird injuries here and there. Um, so yeah, I'm delighted to see him through that, uh, you know, you know, uh, get in the team. I think it's a good selection. It's a positive selection, not just because it's an Irish one. I just like him as a player. Um, and actually I thought Fanate was actually been pretty good since a, you know, fairly poor start. Actually, he's actually done okay, but I think he seems to have suffered from uh, probably the competition he's come up against to a certain extent, you know, those big runs kind of that he made and the few big kind of carries seem they came against maybe maybe a little too late against opposition that wasn't as good. Um, but I'm delighted about that one. That's a good selection, I think. And I think he'll play very well in the test. He always plays well when the quality of the match goes up. He's one of those players, I think, that his skills are very transferable and his thinking is clear. And as a smart player, smart players generally, in my my experience of the game anyway, they usually get better the levels they go up. You know what I mean? They, it, it's it's a, it's the most transferable thing in sports, and I think in rugby certainly it is. So he's a smart player. I think he'll play well and should do well. Um, Hensho won. Delighted with that selection. I think that's a correct one. I think he's been playing brilliantly for a long time. I think he'll be an important part of the puzzle. I'm glad they didn't go with Farrell. That's, you know, that, that's always a temptation. I think if the game opens up and maybe you need a try or something, he could be a good guy to bring on. Um, you know, or or if you want to, you, know, you can change hence off you Hensho if you want to be a bit more expansive. But I don't think you need that. I think he's a brilliant selection. He's the right guy, um, to 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 get you through. 
Um, a very what's going to be a very physical encounter, and he matches up well with Delanda, I think. Um, and obviously, look, Furlong, Furlong's a shoe in. Like I saw some crazy. I saw one team, and you know, maybe it's from it was from uh, Alex Corbettiero. Sure, obviously, a, a good pal of Sinclair's. Like, how you wouldn't be picking Furlong? Uh, he was our. He was our shoe in our, our our absolute guarantee. So yeah, that that's a good selection as well. Cameron Dickey's an interesting one. Um, I worry about his tackle technique. I think he's a real. I'd be worried about him now getting a, a yellow card or a red card or something. But he he actually was brilliant uh, and looked very physical. Um, and you know he's been playing well for a long time. You know, and I suppose he did oust George over there in that battle. I was surprised maybe Ken Owens didn't get in, but maybe I I, thought I had Ken Owens in there probably because I felt like Alan Wynn wasn't going to be playing. Um, so now that Alan Wynn's in there, I think you probably don't need to have Ken Owens in there. So that's probably the only other thing maybe I might mention. But uh, it's a very exciting team. Curry's a great player. I love Curry. I think he's built for a big game as well in, in, in terms of this um, South African pack. Very physical um you know can be a bit of a penalty machine needs to be kind of watching that a little bit but he's very competitive in terms of the physical side of the game and i think he's a really nice selection there they look like a meaty back row um daily's probably the other one isn't it will uh that probably stands out don't know what you guys think but um and, and maybe hog i mean i suppose i had said hog and I actually said a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if it was who else was on the show with us, or maybe you pulled me up on a wheel, but I hadn't been watching the end of the season with Exeter. I just don't watch the Premiership. I don't rate it that highly, uh, and it doesn't really interest me. Um, probably why Marcus Smith seems like such a crazy decision to me for well, for one of a number of reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Hogg is kind of built for, for the hard track, and he's actually done well on the tour so far. So it's good to see him in. And I think his bit of ball handling is a really nice little bit. I mean, you saw how instrumental he was for Scotland in the Six Nations, but but Hogg is another one maybe that surprised a few people, but um, I was surprised people have been saying he wasn't going to make it, but then again, I didn't watch him benched for Exeter, so uh, <laughs> that was probably a details thing for me. Um, but yeah, that's probably my thoughts on the squad there and, and the Irish Lions, Will. The summer's biggest horse racing festival, the Galway Races, starts next week. But it comes at a time when the sport of kings is under the spotlight. Leading Irish horse trainer Gordon Elliott has uh, this evening been banned from the sport for 12 What I've seen has been quite a lot of animals that I'm concerned have not been killed well. The Agricultural Committee started off looking into accusations of doping, but it's since expanded into a, a wave of other issues. The horse is already bolted within the Irish racing industry and Irish racing regulators need to be far more proactive rather than reactive. To listen to this In Focus podcast on horse racing in crisis, visit independent.ie. One interesting part is the combinations and how little they played together. Like, uh, you know, Daly and Henshaw are the only combination across the team that have played on the tour so far as a unit. You know, you look back to 2017 and, you know, the drawn series against the reigning world champions. I think the guts of that test team had played against the Crusaders and the Maori and been very impressive in getting two victories. So they had a pretty cohesive, you know, 15 to 23 man squad going into that game. This is, you know, I know we were talking about it off air, so I'm not going to steal your point and ask you the question. So it makes make myself sound smarter. I'll let you talk for yourself. But um, it, it's an interesting strategy he's gone this time, and it's very much different to what he did in 2017. Yeah, like if you talk to the kind of data analytics, the data analytics people and, and coaches, they, they talk an awful lot about cohesion and how important it is to rugby teams. And like Ben Darwin, the former Australia prop, has built build a company based on how important cohesion is in team sports and 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 he's like an evangelist for it like that you know the, the key to success is cohesion particularly in rugby and, and one of the reasons say a leinster will be is so are so successful 
is that they have cohesion from season to season, that they have cohesion in the coaching group, in the playing group. They have sex in there for so long that they played it the same way. They, you know, that, that they, they built that over time. And now alliance is kind of anachronistic in so many ways. But even when you're building a Lions tour, like it's not, it can't be fantasy rugby. You can't just pick the same 15 players and hope they click because that's the Barbarians and it's, it's a different beast. So I can't imagine that Gatlin came over thinking that his test team would never, like that at least 12 or 13 of his test team would have played together. Like that would have been the plan, I presume, to say that South Africa A game or maybe the Stormers game that he would get 13 in. The most he's managed is eight. So like the most of this team that I've ever played in the same pitch from the start together is eight. The halfbacks have never played together. The fo- the back three have never played together as a threesome. The front row have never played together as a threesome. The second row have never haven't sorry haven't played together in this tour. They did play together four years ago in New Zealand. And the back row like the, he's never got two of this back row uh, in the starting team together before. So like like so so like the corny laws. Uh, has never played with Tom Curry. Courtney Dawes has never started. So maybe he's come on the bench, but he's never started with Tom Curry. He's never started with Jack Conan. So, like, they're all really good players. They're the best of Britain and Ireland. Though. They're all high quality. But they're going up against a team that has the entire back line from the World Cup final two years ago and four of the same pack, plus a number of the bench who, who played in that game as well. It's an incredibly difficult task, and it flies in the face of what a lot of smart people say uh, bring success in rugby. Um, and I don't think it was, like, I think the plan was to get Dan Baker and Conor Murray together because they played together before. Rory Sutherland and Tyke Furlong were on either side of three different props, but they scrummaged together the whole way through. I mean, it's mad that Wynne Jones and, and Tyke Furlong have not been, have not started together during this, this whole thing and now they're going to be scrummaging against the Springboks. I mean, that can't have been part of the plan. COVID has had a play, role to play, like, you know, wiped out the entire team for the, was the, the first Sharks game. You know, there was you know Stuart Hogg was a close contact, so he was taken out of the, the equation for ages. Like there has been weird stuff happening in this tour, but it's also it's like it's it's a really weird anachronistic tour this time because they haven't been moving around. They're not playing at altitude for the series, but this is the most disorganized the lines have ever been in, in in so many ways because they're like I I can't remember what, what you know in '09 whether you had much of a run at the, with the same kind of combinations loop, but like in this day and age to be going out in a test match against the world champions with a team that's so unfamiliar with each other apart from training, it just seems absolutely mad. Yeah, I, ha- I hadn't thought about it, Rhodes, if I'm being honest, uh, in terms of whether we played together a lot. I think there was a few that probably, a few key areas, uh, you know, probably the centres is a very important one because oftentimes they're so integral to your defence. Um, you know, obviously your first phase, it goes without saying how important they are, but most of the time, one of your centres is on the end of, depending on where the collision happens, one of your centres is generally on the end of the line, so kind of leading the line speed and organising people, communicating. I think that's a really important part of the team, actually. probably doesn't get mentioned that much. Um, and Jamie Roberts and Dricko, obviously, they did get a few together and they they kind of gelled really early. It was a really nice combo together, both very smart rugby players. So that was always an easy one to bet in, I think. Um, I'd say uh, I kind of came in a bit late uh, I had a bad, I, like I had a bad start in my. I can only speak to the second test, but he changed around the back three pieces quite a bit. Uh, you know, Shane Williams coming in was a real, <laughs> it was a very odd one uh, for the last test. I must say uh, that was a bit of a felt like a hometown decision. That one, um, no offense to like an unbelievably brilliant player, but that was a weird one. Um, 
And then, um, yeah, I mean, like the back row was, was fairly evident early on. Like this one, like I suppose the one thing that, that is interesting about that back row, like I think for the most part, I think the best players and, you know, people who are playing the best are actually have actually been selected. Bar, I think Laws is probably the only one I wouldn't agree with. Uh, you could make a pretty strong argument about, you know, how good Hamish Watson's been. Um, but I still think Tom Curry's better and has been better for... I, I just prefer him yeah, I agree. Uh, as, as a player. I think, I think Hamish Watson is a brilliant player, but he's kind of like your joker in the pack, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, he's a bit real odd, like kind of a small, diminutive enough guy compared to lots of other big... But he's so strong. You know, he's very strong and really physical and all that, but he's quite loose. Uh, he can have games where he just is a penalty yeah. machine. Um, Tom Curry's, Tom Curry's the, Tom, he's the closest thing since, uh, to Richie McCall since Richie McCall. He's just such a complete seven. I don't. I. I. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good. I. Be. Yeah. He's my. He's the best player I think that's ever played the game that I that I can see yeah. in McCall. So, um, I'd be. Yeah. I'm cautious enough comparing anyone. I'm not saying he's as good as him, but he has a lot of the attributes. He's kind of the same. He's a very similar in stature. He's tough as nails. He's. I'm only twenty two. You know, there's so much potential there. I think he's a really top player. I. I don't think. Like, I love watching Watson. I love watching Watson, but I know it. Yeah, well, like I have to say, I think Laws is an odd one. I'm a bit like, I, I presume it's for the line out, but like I think Tyburn gives you that. I think Tyburn has been really good on the tour. Like if you're going to be break, if you're going to be scoring any tries or if the game is really quick, um, I I don't know. I I really like Burn and I love the extra turnovers he gets. It's really nice to have someone in there, um. Now, maybe he thinks he gets enough of that with Cowan Dickey. He gets enough of that with, uh, you know, having um, Itoje there as well. So they kind of, they, they're getting, getting you those extra turnovers that you want in a game. But I always like having another fetcher. And I just think Ty Byrne is just a, in, in what could be a really quick game, particularly at the start um, against South Africa. Like South Africa at home, I just, I can't explain to you how different a proposition that is playing them at home. I know it's not at altitude and all that, but. The, the pace and the physicality of the game, I feel like it really suits Tyburn um, because he's a smart footballer, uh, particularly if you, if you have the ball for you know, 50% of that time. Not always, doesn't always happen against South Africa, but it can do. He's just better. And he just he's in, in better positions as well. He's a better carrier. Uh, has a little bit of ball playing, which I think is important against a big team. So I, I'm just not sure about that one. But look, he's on the bench. So I'm presuming he thinks that, look, he's a bit more of a... An open like if the game opens up, I think Burn is brilliant to have there. Whereas I think if you're having laws on the bench, you're kind of saying, "Oh well, I'm not really sure what that really gives me." You know, off the bench, does he give me? Yeah, look, are we going to need to be tackling guys really hard? You know, on 60, 70 minutes, um, probably not. The physicality kind of goes out of the game a little bit at that stage, and you're looking for people who can impact it. Burn does give you that versus him, so I get why he's starting, but. I still think I'd probably prefer to have Byrne there. I think he's playing better than him. So, um, yeah, that there, that's that the back story. And to, the reason I went there is because I'm kind of that back row is a bit of an odd one, as you say. Usually, you try and get the guys together at least once before. Um, and I think it's a weird, it's an it's an odd enough mix. It's a it's a pack that you pick. It's the back row that you pick for a really muscly game. Like it looks like they're going to try and take them on physically. Versus if you have Burn there, I think he can dip in and out of the physical stuff. He'll get you a few turnovers there here and there. But if you're playing anyway expansive, it's Burn every day, isn't it? So that might be a bit of a clue as to what he thinks the start of the game is going to look like. Mm. Uh, and what do you make of the bench makeup for both teams? There was so much talk about the you know the potential six-two split. 
the famous bomb squad from the World Cup, which is Africa, and you know the power they rolled off the bench. It was kind of a, a kind of a statement, you know, by South Africa bringing their team forward by a day and then naming a five-three split, and then Gatland followed suit. Now, whether or not that was originally the bench plan before the Springboks announcement, I suppose we, we don't we don't know right now. But what do you make with both teams going with five-three rather than six-two? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Will, isn't it? I mean, certainly the, the team that was reported in the Times of London uh, suggested that Gatlin was lining up a 6-2 split before Liam Williams was declared fit, but also probably before he saw that team. And I think none of us, I know, would have been expecting South Africa to go with a 5-3 split. And it probably diminishes what they have coming off the bench because they did have such power and ability coming off the bench when they had Orgy Snayman and, and Moster coming on at, at, the, at the World Cup. Like, you know, it was like a second pack coming on midway through the game and he, you know, he always unleashed them early. Like Malcolm Marks is, is still, a, you know, an unbelievable player. Malherbe is an excellent scrummager. They have, a, they have, a, you know, very good players there. But I don't think it's the same proposition that, that was there in in the World Cup in Japan. And like for all, and I completely agree with Luke that Tyburn is really hard hard done by for not by not starting. And um, I think he in particular can have a major impact in the way that he plays the game and the pace that he brings off the bench. So. You know, I I do think that Gatlin has kept some weapons in reserve. But he, he spoke quite a lot about you know what he expects from Owen Farrell and, and Connor Murray off the bench today as well. And and like Murray's partly on the bench, like he's on the bench because Gatlin's gone for Addy Price. There's no sugarcoating it. But I think he's also there to captain the team home because Adam Win is not going to go eighty minutes, so he's going to have a role to play as a leader as well. So like the Lions have a lot of experience on the bench. They have good pace. I'm really surprised Michael Vinopolo is not there because I think he's just far better player than Rui Sutherland and, you know, an all-rounder. And we're starting to show real form in the last couple of weeks. You know, I think I think Jamie George could have done the job. I think Jamie George, for all he lost his place with England, I, think, I thought he was having a great tour. You know, again, like I think Luke Cowan Dickey's a momentum call. Like he had a great game against the Stormers, but uh, I share Luke's concerns about his, his job tackling. But, you know, I, I think I'd prefer to have Jamie George coming off the bench to, than, than Ken Owens personally. Um, Sinclair will do, you know, will do great stuff. That you know, they have three second rows in the starting team, so they don't really need a bookie second row to come on. So, so you know, Byrne does that job, but Byrne and Watson bring great pace off the bench to your pack, you know, and breakdown ability. So that's that's a really good combination. Um, so yeah, like, and then Liam Williams, like, I, I don't know what he'd be like off the bench, but he's he's got such ability to break, break a game open. And um, he's a much better player than Duham Van der so I would have started him. But I don't know, he's you know, he obviously had that. Um, came off at HIA last week, so I don't know whether he's recovered or has not been able to train enough or, or what whatever what they were thinking. But you know, I'd have Josh Adams ahead of him, even though it's probably the wrong wing. I'd probably be, be Samad ahead of him as well. I mean, I, I just don't think Van der is defensively strong enough, and I think that's really an area where the Lions could be um, in a bit of trouble because the box of unbelievable pace and a great kicking game as well between Bafta Turk and Pollard. You know, like they've got the better halfbacks. Yeah, Luke, just on Van der Merwe, like, he could be going, going up against Colby. You know, I don't think you have much confidence in that matchup. Uh, look, it was one of the first things that I saw. Like, I just don't like him as a player. Like, um, very physical, obviously, but, like, even... Uh, I saw him, like, they got away with one for one of the tries they scored. Like, look, it was, it was a Mickey Mouse game anyway. But missed a pass. You know, there was a two-on-one or whatever. He just wasn't looking. He was looking just to bury over someone. That worked out okay against you know, pretty mediocre opposition, but it won't against good teams. Like he just, is he that smart a rugby player? I don't know. Like, will he be able to bully his way through the South African pack? Like, Colby's pretty diminutive, like, but 
he's pretty fucking strong too. He actually doesn't he doesn't get bullied that that much uh, for a small guy. And in the air, he doesn't either. He's very good in the air for a small guy. I think he could make mince meat of him. Be honest. I think he I think he could if if they can if they can isolate him one on one. I think he'll do an absolute job on him. Um, I would say that's a weak point rather than a strong point. Uh, if you don't have that much possession, if you have possession, he could he could have a great game. Could be wrong, but if it's fifty fifty, and they manage to get some inroads, um, I don't know. That one to me looks like a that could be a really bad selection. Yeah, I think they could get hurt in that one. So um, I'd be a little bit worried about that. And a price price in a, in a game where his pack isn't going forward. I don't. He's never. I've never seen him drag Scotland out of a out of a tight one, like, you know, out, out of a game where their pack is going backwards, which you could very you could very well do. Um, yeah, but, uh, like, I, I think Liam Williams, again, I don't know why, if it, if it's a HIA thing, why do you have him on the bench? Um, I'd probably just have Josh Adams there. Like, it's pretty interchangeable on the wings. I don't see how you, you know, you could swap, like, Watson can play anywhere, really, you know. Uh, he's very flexible. Uh, so you can always swap him over on the wing. So, um I don't know how those two haven't got ahead of Vandermeer. I, I I have to think that that's Gregor loving the physicality and having a word there and saying I like him. He's played and he's played well. Like he's been pretty good, but I just feel like he hasn't been tested really. Um, and I think when he does properly get tested in the test match against South Africa, I think he's going to. If it's against Colby, it's like it's look most people will struggle but some will do better like we Liam Williams I think would be the perfect guy to 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 match up well with Colby he's an excellent excellent defender very smart kind of niggly as well you could see him kind of getting under his skin he's very good in the air like really really good he could kind of possibly you know shake Colby's confidence if there's a good couple of high balls gone up there's he has that possibility I just don't see Van der Merwe doing that um and I think he'll manage his physicality fine. So yeah, that's a real area of concern for me. And I don't, I just don't agree with that. Type. I don't like that kind of player. I don't feel like he's a really smart rugby player. Uh, whereas I just think I like Liam Williams. I just really like him. He'd be, I, I pick him, I pick him every time I was picking a team. I love him as a player. Um, like I'd, I probably would nearly have him in. I would have Hogg and him in the team. But if it was a choice between leaving him out of the team and having Hogg in, I'd pick Liam Williams. Put it that way. Um, so he'd be in my team no matter what. So um, that's a bit of a. I just don't. I don't see it like the coaches see that one. Uh, you're right to pick up on that one, Will. I don't know. You probably picked up me saying that earlier on. Um, but I'm a huge fan of Liam Williams, so I think that that might be an error. Um, we wait and see. Yeah, definitely one of the players who could potentially possibly come in uh, going forward over the next few weeks. We might go to predictions now, Rod. It's set up to be an absolute cracker this Saturday. Uh, Two very formidable teams named that we discussed over the last you know, 30, 40 minutes. Do you think the Lions will win this weekend? No, I don't think so. I think there's too many questions about the the combinations. I don't think there's enough time bettered in there. I think the fact that he took so many players, he had to with COVID and because he had to have lads training. But then he committed to having to giving them all a chance in the first three games, but he didn't have enough games on tour to kind of get the combinations he needed bettered in. And then the COVID thing hit and... They're just like they play quite well in these games against the the rubbish teams, but when they were tested physically for thirty minutes against South Africa A, they got run over. And I know they got, they grew into that game and possibly could have won it in the end, or probably could should have won it in the end. If the box with another week under their belts can get up to the level that that physical level for longer, then I just don't think the Lions can live with them physically. Um, I think it helps the Ty Furlong back in the in the front row, and it is a better team than the team that played that night, but. 
I think the box will just have too much. I think that the um, I just don't think you can't. I find it very hard to back a nine ten. I've never played together before. I just, especially when one of them is Addy Price, and that's nothing personal against Addy Price, and it's not an anti-Scottish thing. I just don't think our scrum half is a real area of strength for the Lions this year, and, and um, if the pack is being is going backwards, I would. I would struggle to see how he's going to pull that around. I think that's that's a I, like the, I think Conor Murray would struggle as well because it's a hard thing to do. But you know Murray's done it in big games before, and and, and I just don't know if Bryce has. So, um, not to lay it all on him. I think you're right about Duvan Vanamara. I think he's a defensive liability. Um, Hogg hasn't had a great tour, but he, he's capable of unbelievable things, and he, he gives you a playmaking option and an attack. I think he could have a great influence in this game and hopefully the Lions will bring a bit more than just tapping five-meter penalties and, and crashing into lads. I hope I hope that was a ruse and that we're going to see a bit more expansiveness from them. Um, but their set piece has been quite good and if they get on top in the scrum, then maybe they, 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 they could do it. Like it's, it's a very hard one to call because there's so little form between both of the teams. But, you know, you're talking about the world champions, you're talking about an incredible group of players with a very smart coaching ticket. Razzy Razzi Rasmus has been running rings around Gatland a little bit in the last couple of weeks in the media, putting pressure on, going on Twitter and, you know, questioning tackle technique. I have no doubt that they have been highlighting. That was Luca. great, wasn't it? Oh, that was amazing. Amazing. Just replying to the examiner, like, you know, just the, what a coup for them. Um, like, I, I've no doubt that he's highlighted Luke and Dickie's tackle technique this week. Like, you know, we've seen, um, was it Mater or Lavanini has got red cards for those bullet tackles, those torpedo low tackles to the knees. Mm. So dangerous. I don't like them. I didn't like them with Exeter or England. I, I'm like, just because he's playing for the Lions now, I think you've got to call it. Like, that is right. That is dangerous. It's reckless. And it, it's going to cause blowouts in the end. Like, I just don't like that kind of hurling yourself low. I mean, it's effective, but it's a ref, some ref along the way is going to call that out. Um, and obviously, like four years ago, the second test turned on Sonny Bill Williams' red card. So we can make all the predictions we like, but in the current climate, all it takes is some South African being a bit too revved up or Duhan getting a bit psyched out about playing against the team of his country, the team of his birth, like CJ Standard in the in the game in 2016, and and you've blown the whole thing wide open. But I think if you're if you're a betting person, the sensible call is the Springboks this week. But uh, like I, I wouldn't write the lines off either. I think it's going to be tight enough. Yeah, it's interesting in the in the bookies. I think they have it as an even game at the moment. Uh, there's no handicap, which kind of says how people are finding it kind of difficult to call. But Luke, what's your prediction ahead of the weekend? Um, I, I see it the same as uh, as Rudd's actually. Um, too much uncertainty in kind of key areas. Um, I don't. I think the matchups. I just don't like Colby and Van der Merwe, and I think I never usually highlight someone like that, but uh, on the wing because it's just. Generally, it's a function of how the team are playing, but he's just such a good player. Uh, like he's got to be if he's not the best player in the world at the moment, um, he's bloody close anyway. Khaleesi coming back in, we didn't really mention that. That's big. Although you know how much of an impact has COVID had on him? My sense of him is that it won't have a huge impact. Um, and that pack is still they're just meaty, aren't they? You know, Marks on the bench. I'm looking at you know Kits off as well as a big guy. Uh, you know, Lou De Jager there. Um, and you know their back three is very is actually very experienced. Like I like Mpimpy as well. You know, he's a good player. He was very good in the World Cup final. Um, he's a big game player. And Willie Larue, I mean. He's kind of liable to have a few mad ones, but like, geez, he's a brilliant player too. Like, he's like, if they get good go forward, like, he's a, um, 
he's so smooth, isn't he? Like, I mean, and, and he can really put those guys into space and he's got a nice kicking game as well. So um, probably didn't talk about Pollard as well. That's a very experienced comp- like, but he hasn't played much as well. I think he's been a bit, you know, injury, you know, had an injury or so, uh, injury or two, sorry. Uh, but he'd be, you know, that, that combination with Clerk and Pollard, I know Rhodes mentioned it there, but I, I just want to reiterate, like, I mean, they're, they're experienced together. And they're both quality operators versus I think they have they look Baft Clerk. It might be close with Pollard and Bigger, but it ain't close between the Clerk and Price. That's for sure uh, in terms of quality. And that's such a key position in the modern game. It's the person who touches the ball the most on the pitch. You know, you gotta have like if you you know you, one of your one of your if one of your best players are there, it's pretty good spot to be. You know, um, so I give the I give the box the edge, even though there's probably a few things. Like, I think they've had less rugby together. They probably have more people impacted by COVID, and we just don't know how badly that's going to impact them. And again, they won't have test matches at altitude. So there's a few things maybe working against them, which is probably why I see, you know, you, you probably don't have a handicap there, Will, if you're, if, if I was to give my honest view on that. Um, leaving aside what, what the algorithm is obviously spitting something out. But, um, yeah, I, I think just an ed- just just slight edge to South Africa. I think they're they're you know the combinations are bedded in a bit more, and I think they'll be better from that that uh, kind of trip they had out with the South Africa A or whatever we're calling them. Mm. Well, it's set up to be an absolute cracker this Saturday. I'd like to thank Luke and Rudd for joining me this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast, looking back on the first test between the Lions and the Springboks. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.